Welcome to the Three Thirds Rank, One Third Scouts podcast. It is episode nine on this bank holiday special. Uh, and as ever, I'm joined by my fellow co-presenters, Mr. Ross Smith and Mr. Simon Mann. How are we both? Hello. How are you? Very, very well. Very well. Enjoying the sun. Yeah, well, enjoy it while you can before you're in your preparations for returning to work. Yes, apparently, apparently so. In the next, um, in the next couple of weeks, at least, I, w- I would have thought. Yeah, what well, what are you going to do now? You've been on this six, seven weeks. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I've never, I've never had so long off in my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, you should try being a teacher like Ross. You could have given. The thing is, though, it's half term for me now. So, I mean, I've got a week off. And but then it'll be. I, I mean, th- even though like it's been reduced, <laughs> reduced things. All last half term, all we're doing is counting down. How long's this half term? When's the, <laughs> when we got the week? So when we go back, that's all. We'll be counting down to summer. Well, I um, I keep every now and again I hear people saying, "Oh, why don't we just like count this as the summer holidays, and then like just whenever schools open, just like keep them open through till Christmas, and like have like some sort of mega sixteen week term." And I think. You try explaining that to teachers. <laughs> it's all well and good from the outside suggesting that. Uh, yeah. Most schools, have, yeah, the yeah. thing is, it's not like most schools have been shut for nine weeks, is it? Most like teachers have still, most teachers have still been at school, haven't they? So, I think pretty much every school will have been doing something at some point. That's it. The, the notion that schools have been shut is isn't true. Schools have been open, trying to provide whatever they can for the nation's children as best they can. But when do the, um, so, yeah. when do the good people at TK Maxx, when do you actually sort of, do you have to go in and set the store up? Presumably it'll be a completely different setup. You know? Yeah, I think, I mean, we don't, we, we don't actually, we don't know yet. Um, like I would imagine that there'll be, like some of the stores in Europe have opened um, and they've obviously got, I mean, you go into any shop now, there's perspex per screens up and obviously social distancing guidelines and stuff. So I, I would imagine that we'll have stuff to do before, like we'll fully open the doors. It's like football, that isn't it? Will be, yeah, 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 yeah. So we're just, we're just kind of, I'm just kind of waiting on the phone. See how call. they do it in Germany. Yeah, <laughs> Germany, Austria, yeah. <laughs> we'll just kind of wait and see what, we'll wait and see when, when, when the doors open. When the doors will open, I think some stores have. I, I think it's been a bit of a timeline. Each, each different retail or food outlet is opening at different points this week, isn't it? I think McDonald's is open now. Costa's open, obviously KFC is open. Um, I think like Matalan and stuff are starting to open as well. I think so. Different uh, different places are starting to open at different times now. So, uh, but I can't. Yeah, I can't see. I, I'm going to treat this as my last week. I mean, I'm a bit annoyed because I need a new car. So I was hoping that cars won't be like open for a while, but they're opening next week, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. And outdoor. I thought I was going to get myself a bargain, but I can't get one for another month or so. so. <laughs> I might not get. A, I might not get a bargain. Might be back to normal. <laughs> well, I'm hoping you don't have to queue outside a car so, a car showroom. I'm hoping it. Well, who knows? And then a Berry Market can open up again. Yeah. Outdoor market. Yeah, people that have been missing black puddings will be delighted. <laughs> I don't know many outdoor markets. I reckon lots of shops will just take the windows out now so they can claim their outdoor. <laughs> Knock a few walls down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, with everything that's gone on, like all these announcements have kind of been lost in the background, haven't they? Well, it's almost like almost like a... as if they're rushing out these announcements to try and change the news agenda, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It, it, it seems that. <laughs> but, I, but like I, like I when I messaged you when Grant Shapps was trying to... <laughs> sort out the coming story. You can announce anything, and no one will care. Just go your hardest taxes. You, you're taking furlough down to twenty percent, and it's going to end in three weeks' time. No one at that point would have. You could have said any, absolutely anything. I think, like in terms of, they missed the trick. They could have. They could have got rid of a load of negative policies that they knew they would have had to get out. Buried it all then, and then carried on. On the um, on the day when England won the World Cup in 1966, um, I read the news scripts for the radio that night, and it was um, I think it was 12 pages long. The first 10 were about England winning the World Cup, 
and then there was an, an announcement about a tax rise, and then the last page and a half were about England winning the World Cup again. <laughs> See, yeah. bury the negative. Good press. day. There Good you go. Very bad news. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, just what I, what I have found, I've been on Twitter, and uh, I've noticed Clive Tilsler. I don't know if anyone, any of you follow Clive Tilsler. Follow him on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, so has he been? I don't know how to follow him on Instagram, but on Twitter he's been putting up like pictures of a lot of his old commentary sheets. From past games, so like all the stats and facts about the starting lineup. I think I had seen something about that, yeah. But now, obviously, no, no commentary to be done. He started up his own business where he's selling prints of his commentary sheets, <laughs> and you can get them framed. Thirty quid a pop. That's the sort of opportunity no you look for in life. A thirty quid a pop to have a framed bit of Clive Tilsley's handwriting on your wall. Well, to have those facts about Jesper Blomqvist there for eternity in front of you. Well, they do. He does have the ninety-nine yeah. Champions League final and the um, Chelsea one, the two thousand eight one. So I did look at. I did actually consider it, but I thought, no. Why would? Why am I paying thirty pounds <laughs> to get someone's handwriting them all? <laughs> on Instagram, yeah. he often he often sort of commentates on his his uh, wife making spag ball or something. Yeah, I think that's what I think. That's yeah, what I've seen when you just mentioned that, then Ross, I just had, I just had visions of him trying to sell like. Crystal Palace versus West Ham, like in like the twenty third round of the <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. I was like, why is he trying to sell them for thirty pound? Not like some of the most iconic matches in in English in English football in the last thirty years. Well, he's got a brand new website to it, but I only clicked on it, and it's like as with anything, any shop, it comes up with a featured page, yeah. doesn't it? So the ones that make you go, oh, they've got some good stuff here, and then you have to search through to find the one you want. So who knows what he's got. He could have. He could have. That. Well, if he's doing if he's doing thirty quid for like Champions League finals, may I'll try and negotiate with him. Maybe maybe he'll give me all of uh, David Bellion's Manchester United appearance for a fiver. <laughs> expect that. Expect I mean, that in your stocking at Christmas, Ross. If I can if I can negotiate him down <laughs> for a decent price. <laughs> Original. Quiz. I mean, some of the some of the game like so he's got uh, he put on there the um, the Aguero City winning the league goal. What? The City v QPR, but I thought surely if you get the City game beforehand, the stats won't have changed that much, will they? <laughs> oh yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> Similar things will be will be on both things, won't they? Yeah. So yeah. Anyone else been up to anything? Done anything else? Anything exciting? Uh, I've been for a few big walks, walked around Hollywood late the other day. So we went, me and Blin did a big 10-mile walk yesterday. Real pounding the pavement, yeah. Where, where was we that? Sort of went, sort of from our flat, we went like through Drinkwater Park, through Phillips Park. Oh, you just, no driving, no driving just straight yeah. walking. And then like over the motorway wow. and sort of carried, just carried on. And then eventually we got to like, you know, Ringley Road. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then sort of walk that back sort of down Berry New Road, I guess. Well, there you yeah. go. Well, Claire's mum and dad are moving house tomorrow. Are they? Yeah. Wow. Where to? to? To nearer to you? Yeah, to two minutes away from my house. Perfect. So it's all of it. Yeah. I mean, we can't actually go in the house or drop the kids off, which it was very ideal and, for. And does but... this mean, because of the current situation, you can't help out in any way? Yes. Oh, what a disaster <laughs> for you, eh? I bet you were, I bet you were like, oh, shook when you found that out. I, I was a bit gutted, <laughs> yeah. I said, oh, I've been desperate for this. <laughs> this, is, this is the one thing I was wanting lockdown to live for, so I could help out. But, yeah. It's going to be a busy week, and then it's Claire's due date this Well, Friday. yeah, because I was wondering where we're up to with that, because I feel like it's been about to happen for a while. Yeah, so... Friday is the due date, so I mean it's even more. This week's busy for lots of reasons to me. Nice. Yeah, I haven't really done anything. I haven't done anything else at home. Not not ordered any more skips. No, no. My next door neighbour came up to me tonight, and he's been doing a lot of work in his garden, and uh, he started talking about the fence panels needed changing, and he was going to get some. So I did the. Nice neighbourly thing. I said, oh, well, if you do it, then I'll 
I'll give you money towards it. And he said no. I thought, yes, get him. <laughs> I, get new, I get new fence panels and I've not paid for them. <laughs> I mean, did you even like try and offer a? Oh no, no, I really think I should. Or was it like the moment he said no? You said, "All right, cheers, lock the door." Well, know he said it at the start of the conversation. Then I said it. He said it at the end, but I didn't press it. I said, "Oh, cheers, I've got to go now." <laughs> so yeah, that was that was a really weird thing when we bought our house. Like you only buy half. If you only buy half your fence, like you only own the left hand side of your fence. So some some houses. I've got like a different fence on each side of the garden, like all the way down some of the houses, because you only buy one part, one side of your fence. Oh right, I have, I have no idea. See, this is all things that confuse. Like, even though I'm lived in, I've moved house twice, I've owned two houses now. I still don't get the etiquette around fence panels. Like, I only did that because I thought you should do, but I don't know who's responsible for what or whose job. This is the stuff they don't teach you at school, isn't it? This is the stuff yeah. about adulthood that you need to know. Yeah, it's just a minefield, and then but it gets to a certain point and certain age where you just feel like I can't ask now because I'm old enough that I should know this. So you're just kind of left in this bubble of not knowing anything and having to bluff your way through things. It's a real nightmare. I found it puts me off doing a lot of things just because I don't know what the right thing to do is. So I just think, ah, I'd leave it. (laughs) How about you, Cheesy? What have you been up to? Uh, not a lot. I mean, we um, as as you saw my post on Friday night, we treated ourselves to TGI Fridays on on on, on Friday. Obviously, it's kind of been a bit of a, a bit of a ritual for us to have a takeout tea on a Friday. And how was it? What was so, what was the situation? Do you go and collect it, or do the good people at Deliveroo do that? Well, no, you 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 can go and collect it, or they'll deliver it. But if if somewhere's offering collection, I normally go and pick it up just so that I, they don't end up going to a different address first and then coming to me and it gets and it's cold and it's pointless. So what they basically said was you have to kind of turn up, you you turn up, you get out, you have to get out of the car, ring this number, open the boot, and then get back in your car and they'll bring it out, put it in your boot, then walk off. Then you have to get out of your car again, close your boot and drive off. So like when I drove up to the car park on Friday afternoon, there was like just cars there with boots open. It was just re- it was just really really random. You ring this number, somebody says, "Yeah, we'll bring it out for you in a minute." They've got like special bags, special pot. And just, did it travel well? So, the it, it, taste sensation. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, it was. It was lovely. It was nice. It was, it was really good. Some places we've been to have like if you order a burger and stuff like that. By the time it gets to you, it's just like soggy bread. I absolutely hate that with burgers. So. If we can go pick it up, we go pick it up. And we've been to like the Swanner Cemetery more often than not, because that's literally just around the corner. So, um, and it's been really, really nice. So we just thought we'd try something a bit different. So, we'd, I don't know what I don't know what we're going to do this week. Wow, I haven't had a takeaway for ages again. These big shops, they're really, really well, through. Said- Your trip to TGI Fridays went under the radar in that WhatsApp group. The other thing that went under the radar a little bit was that you bought a beer pump, Ross. <laughs> oh, yes, that is what I've done this week. Yes, I bought a beer Has pump, that arrived beer yet? tap. No, so they're very busy, understandably so, because <laughs> I imagine lots of people are wanting freshly poured pints at the house. Um, so it comes June the 2nd, which I thought timed about nicely with Claire's due date. So it's like a Kind of a welcome home present to the baby. Yeah. <laughs> Can you get the milk in that? But now, well, but I, so it'll, it'll, I actually it'll mean at... that Luke and Teddy can keep themselves entertained while you're with the baby. Exactly. Get yourself. Yeah. A drink. I don't care what it is. So I, so I've been looking at them for ages to get one, and then I never bothered. And then I finally thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to do it. But I kept saying to Claire, I said, should I get one? And she kept saying no. <laughs> on the night and I thought I said to her if you just say do what you want then I'll buy it but as long as you keep saying no I'm not going to do it half an hour of persisting she eventually said oh if you want me so I went yes bye straight away <laughs> that money you've saved on fence panels oh exactly exactly yeah so yeah so that comes June the second so I'm excited for that does it come with uh, so what do you need to put it like a keg yeah, so you get these things, this is called the sub, the subcompact I've gone for, and you get these things called subs. They've got the beer in. So they're only like, they only hold two litres, which is about four pints in it, which I think is plenty enough for yourself at home, isn't it? 
Oh yeah, that'll get that'll evening. get you through uh, breakfast. Yeah. Get yeah. Your <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So so the the art they had a starter offer, which was uh, the thing, the the ke- the pump thing, and four subs, four kegs for hundred and ten pounds. Which, considering the thing on its own is a hundred pound, the pump, I thought that was all right. Oh yeah, so that's eight liters of eight liters of Heineken for ten pound. I thought that that was that do. And how and how much like and 16. how much one of these uh, four pint things normally? Oh, so depending on what beer you get, so you can get like I don't know, like beer and Moretti or something. That's like nine pound for one. So you think that's four pints for nine pound? That's still two pound fifty a pint. Better than what you're paying a pub, isn't it? Oh yeah, that, but then some of it. Oh, you'll get a great market like, when you invite me cheese around. Are you going to take contact? Exactly. Are you going to take contact <laughs> or is it just cash only? Well, no. During current climate, it'll be contactless. Yeah, I mean, I mean, presumably, yeah. presumably only, only one of us will be able to go into your kitchen at any one time. Well, you have to wait till the Perspex screen is <laughs> installed, and then <laughs> and then you can come. sit in the sit in the beer garden. Yeah, I've got. Uh, Teddy's putting down like he's he's getting his chalks out and putting down social distance markers all around the house as well. So. A lot of places are doing. A lot of places are doing takeaway packs. If you could mount that onto your front wall, you'd be uh, you'd be laughing. Oh, I definitely could because it only needs plugging in. So you get could an pay for itself in a week. Yeah, well, especially if Claire's dad's moving into the neighbourhood. Well, I've not told him we're getting it yet because I don't want to encourage him to. <laughs> <laughs> he comes round often enough. He doesn't need another reason. So. Be, be the neighbours complain that you've got a, a beer, a beer lorry coming at half seven in the morning. You just <laughs> <laughs> the thing that you put in your hand to put it in your. In your yeah, yeah, if it's tough enough to get a skip onto your yeah. driveway, it's going to be even harder for for the draftsman to reverse down. Yeah, but it's already on slope, and it's when they when they <laughs> take yeah. the kegs out, it just roll nicely down the slope into the garage. So. <laughs> to the now empty garage, yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's not empty because Claire's mum and dad have been filling it up with their stuff for their house move. So, but anyway, it's another story. I, I suppose another, another, another reason why Claire's dad would come round would be, of course, to watch the Premier League as it returns. It will be because, and plus, he doesn't have BT, so I do. So that's another reason why he would be round. But where are we up to with the Premier well, League? Well, after this short break, we're going to tell you. So we're going to talk about Project Restart and where we are up to. So since we were on uh, last week, uh, the first two rounds of tests have been done. Uh, first, uh, I think the first round was on was last Monday, uh, and we had uh, six players and six six players and all staff who uh, tested positive, and then out of seven hundred and forty eight cases, uh, and then. On I think it was Thursday and Friday of this week, with the second round of testing. Uh, just under a thousand people were tested, and two uh, there was two positive tests. One of them was an unnamed Bournemouth player. Um, Simon, do you think it matters whether we're told who it is, what clubs it is, or is no, it just I kind of? I don't think it matters that much. If people want to come out and sort of say it's them, then they can do. I don't think there's a, a particular sort of witch hunt for, for people that haven't done. I mean, the whole thing just sort of feels like it's sort of gathering pace now. It, it, it is going to happen. The training seems to be getting stepped up. And, uh, and all the momentum seems to be sort of moving in that direction. I I, I agree. I don't think I don't think it needs to answer the public, but I, I do you reckon each club knows which club other clubs have got it. Because if I, I'm thinking, if I was a player and I'm potentially going to go for this start date of playing that like whatever the 19th of June when um, could potentially play in like a first game against another club, I. As a player, would quite like to know if coronavirus has been in that group of players. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I suppose it's a fair point. And I mean, yeah, you're probably still like a month away until they play, isn't it? I suppose they'd hope that it'll all be cleared up by then, in terms of if there is a bit of an outbreak in one team. Yeah, well, we, we talked about the 12th, didn't we? And, and then uh, was it one of the Arsenal midfielders who'd given away on Instagram that obviously the date had been pushed back? 
um, to what looks like the 19th or the, or the, or the 29th of June. So it's like, it looks like it'll be at, at the earliest, probably the 19th at the latest, um, the, the 29th. But yeah, we're, we're, we're quite far away. And the Championship have done their first round of tests as well. And um, there was uh, two players from Hull, I think, two players off staff from Hull uh, out of a thousand tests. So I think I think on average it's point is it point five? Um it's point five percent of people that are tested who have tested positive. So um I think I, I think from what from what has been put in the media it, it does seem quite positive that it doesn't look like it's gonna um derail the, the next the next phase which is which is uh, contact training I think um Simon isn't it a lot of teams have had groups of five and uh, at different points of the day and different managers have been back in, in the training field. But uh, contact training looks like, I think the vote's on Wednesday, I think. Yeah, yeah, and I assume that'll pass. I mean, I think there is sort of a lot of will to try and make this happen. So unless something big happens, I don't see any sort of stumbling block towards the, the timeline that they're looking at. And I think we will have um, behind closed door games in the, in the next month or so. And, and uh, it'll be all systems go, I guess. It does I feel think- like there's a... Go on, go on, Ross. I think one of the key things is obviously uh, the Bundesliga only resumed last weekend, didn't they? So this is the second round of fixtures. So it'll be you, you either see increase in infections this weekend or next weekend, won't you? So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens over this next week in the Bundesliga to see how effectively like it's been managed there and whether you've seen an increase in in cases. But yeah, I, it, like I say, the, the, you can. You can have the best play plans in the world, can't you? But you, you just don't know how everything's going to be until you start doing it. So, I mean, in some ways, we look quite sensible now that it's been delayed to the point where Germany would have been up and running for one, two weeks, three weeks, and then we can see how they've how it's affected them. So, well, that's what I was going to say, Ross. It seems like there's been a lot. There's there's a lot less desire to not play football now that the German that now the Bundesliga's got up and running, rather than maybe two weeks ago where. Quite a lot of people were happy for football, not well, just not to carry yeah, on at all. I think I obviously, I think that obviously two weeks ago when we were in a very different situation, weren't we? Where the the mood and the feeling and like the death rate and transmission rate and new cases were obviously a lot higher than it was now. So two weeks later, things have changed, and obviously the way people feel about coronavirus and what's in place has changed. So I think people are more positive about it and players are probably more positive. But I also think that time's, time's going on. The players like said, the players will probably just be happy um, just to be back at just to be some kind of normal. Aren't they going to doing something normal? And being able to... I know a lot of them have been training at home, but I mean, training at home is no fun. So it's just be able to get out and see your mates again and have a laugh. I mean, obviously it's not the same as proper training, but... You can have a laugh and joke about things instead of what you normally have been doing. I, I, I think people are probably, from that point of view, wanting it back in terms of footballers. So yeah, and I think the the third round of testing is um, today and tomorrow. I think Monday and Monday and Tuesday this week. So I think by uh, hopefully by Wednesday we should see what's what's happened with the. I mean, with, I think that, yeah, I think that'd be the other big thing for football players in terms of feeling safe is the fact that how the regularity of testing and how quickly they can get the results back. I'm pretty confident they'll probably, because it is very regular and they will be getting the results back quite quickly, that anyone who has got any symptoms or does test positive will be told to isolate very quickly. So in terms of mixing and it's spreading, like being in contact with that person for a long time, I'm confident that they're probably confident the procedures that are happening in terms of that are making them feel safe. So probably helps as well. Yeah, and then we've had obviously the the news that the WSL has been the women's super league has been uh, has has been cancelled. Well, I say cancelled. Has been been finished uh, with promotion and relegation yet to, uh, promotion and relegation yet to be decided. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a, a big issue. This, and I, I actually I actually think it'll be less about sorting out relegation. I think I'm more about sorting out which teams survive. I think, and the trouble is a lot of um, the teams in the women's super league kind of basically survive off the back of, I mean, subsidies from the their more successful male team and almost as if like Ars- the likes of Arsenal, Manchester City and Manchester United see it as being, you know, it will it'll be a real test of how much, how committed they are to women's football or whether or not it was just a token thing that they were doing to try and make themselves look good because all, you know, it is a big outgoing 
women's football basically doesn't make any money. It has to be subsidised. And I think there may well be a few clubs that uh, in this new post-coronavirus world, a lot of incomes will be down for a, a whole for every club. And how many of them will look at their women's team and think, well, that's a saving we could make and, you know, may well cut them adrift. So that, I think it might be a, it'd be a worrying time if you're a professional uh, women's football at the moment. I think, I, think, I, I think women's football might have missed a bit of a trick in terms of ending it. I mean, I, I, there's two, two ways. I mean, in some ways, people would have been desperate. So they might, like, in terms of numbers watching women's football, especially TV, might have increased. But then in other ways, because there's probably going to be more men's TV, men's uh, football on the telly, they, it, could have been, it could have backfired. But I, I don't know. To me, in some ways, it, probably because of the lack of... The lack, with it not being as popular as men's football and not having the same interest and as many people following it, and the, in terms of like the stadiums that they're playing as well, and the amount of people that would have been there, it, in some ways it makes more sense to have got women's football been the first one to to got it up and running because it it's smaller setups at the grounds and within the clubs, whereas men's football becomes with a whole host of whole host of different things, and then you could have probably promoted and increased the reach of women's football within within this country, but. I suppose I the thing know, is, but... I, and there must be very high setup costs for staging one of these games behind closed doors. You know, you've got to test however many people three times or whatever it is. You've got to get them all in some sort of biosecure trip from the hotel they stay beforehand to the ground. You know, you, you sort of need to be generating quite a lot of money just to just to make it worthwhile. And, and maybe they just they didn't have the guaranteed e- income. It's an expensive thing to sort of do on the hope that we can get some TV income to, to show the games, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I accept that. I just thought it'd be a shame because obviously with the recent push with like the World Cups and everything yeah. that's going on and BBC doing a lot and women's football has started to gain some traction and get, get into the mainstream, um, really. And it's not been, although it does still play second fiddle, it's been, it's been increasing its profile more and more and more. And the amount of women's like footballers that you can now name and you know and you know who they are and where they play and what they do um, compared to maybe five, six, seven, eight years ago is massive. And it will just be a shame if it, this does knock it all back to where it was 10 years ago, really. Yeah, and then a bit a bit of news, a bit close to home for uh, in the Premier League. It looks like the first kind of issue with players that are uh, that are on loan from uh, from different leagues. Yeah, so this was always going to be a bit of a stumbling block in terms of coronavirus because obviously contracts, uh, the virus didn't care when football players' contracts run out, which I thought was very unkind of the virus to to not consider that when it started infecting everyone. <laughs> but uh, it's yeah, it could affect United. And obviously, um, Igalo came from China until um, the end of the season and there was a lot of talk about um, would he stay, Would he? how long would he stay for, would United make it permanent? But it looks uh, more and more likely that he's going to go back to China, which I think is a real shame because he was starting to prove his worth in terms of just being a different asset and a different type of striker that United didn't have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was really hoping we'd sign him permanently. Um, so, yeah, so not only did they lost him for the rest of this season, it looks like he, he's going to go back in general. And, it, you know, it, it was a real, it was a bizarre signing at the time, but it, it just worked out really well. And he offered something different and, a bit more physicality and uh, and yeah, I think it'll be. I don't know if Rashford will be back from injury, but I think it'll be quite a big loss actually for United in there. Particularly, you know, when these matches do come back, I think they're talking about they're going to play quite a lot of games in quite a short period of time. So just have squad squad depth, maybe something that um, the United are really missing. And uh, not having a gaggle, Igalo there for the rest of the season is a bit of a loss, I think. Yeah, because he started to prove like in terms of rotation with the Europa League that he was playing some games. Um, to relieve other people some of the workload. But then even like at the, at the end of the City game, um, when he came on and just was a presence up front and he allowed us to lump the ball up to him and he could hold it up for five seconds and allow the defence in midfield to get out. So without him, we don't really have that big physical guy up front that can do that. So we do kind of resort back, revert back to the start of the season, United, which is very pacey and quick, but uh, hasn't got a lot of strength and physicality up front which 
again, I'm not I'm not sure the fixtures now to the end of the season, but it does it does hold us back a bit as we as we move forward. So yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Have, yeah. I don't know when does the China League get back up and running, or is it back up and running? Oh, so I think uh, it's starting soon. It's mid June, isn't it, or the end of June? I mean, I think I think one of the big things is like um, where did he come from? Shenhua, Shanghai. Yeah, Shanghai, Shenhua. Uh, they'd have us over a barrel now, wouldn't they? In terms of like asking price, because they, they know they see how successful he is, and and the thing is, like with United recording that, what was it, a twenty-three million pound loss for this quarter? It's not like United have this; they're having to plan, they have the contingency plan for things like this. So whatever transfer revenues might have been there for the summer may not be the same. So if Agallo is not your number one priority for the summer and you're hoping to save a bit of money for maybe signing a bit more of a high profile um player then you're not gonna you're not gonna want to splash out the cash and Ed Woodward has proved that he doesn't like making things easier. Or you never know, we might we might wait until January next year and get him in when we've missed half the season because that's what Woodward likes to do as well, doesn't it? <laughs> well the other thing is I think I so I always believed that United were were looking to sell Popper at the end of this season. I, I think they were hoping he'd get him fit, he'd have a good Euros, they'd try and sell him for a lot of money to a team like Real Madrid or whatever. And now I, I don't think he'll... You know, I just don't think teams will be paying the sort of money that Manchester United are prepared to sell Pogba for this summer. So they probably won't get that income that they, they probably thought they might have been getting if, uh, if Pogba had gone. Well, it does make the whole transfer market very interesting in terms of... Obviously, there were massive fees prior to all this and then there will be lots and lots of clubs that will take massive amounts of hits and won't have the same financial muscle to actually pay the fees that were going on. So, yeah, like you say, like players who you spent 90 million on who probably don't fit and you're looking to get rid of, do you cut your losses and accept 60 million or do you try and hold out and keep them and hope you can, it, the transfer market sorts itself out and gets back to some kind of where it was before to get your money back or... It'll be interesting to see if we see prices like that again, really. Because yeah. I know um, Barcelona, with, they're, they're talking about, there's a lot of rumours about um, Usmani Dembele leaving, isn't there? Yeah. He was signed for 120-odd million, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, so, they're, they're trying to get rid of Coutinho. They're, they're hawking around everywhere, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. So it'd just be interesting now, like when transfers do start up again, we start seeing bids come in for players. What? How far off old prices that we're looking at, really? Well, I, I don't think that I don't think that will happen. I think I read somewhere about Dembele. The Barcelona were looking to get rid, like looking to re- reclaim only like thirty-seven million pound for him. Someone's like sixty, seventy, eighty million pound loss on a player in, in what two and a half years. But there's, there's a lot of talk this year about players being swapped. So I think um, Juventus are, are quite happy to sell Pjanic from. Um, Juventus and it might be that he goes to um, I think it's Barcelona that they've talked about him going and a player from Barcelona or two players from Barcelona go the other way so I think a lot of it this year will be about it's almost going to be trading commodities rather than actual um, cash money trading hands because I think one thing I didn't really think about in terms of transfer markets is what's going to happen next year if, if the stadiums are half empty or empty for the majority of next season then that's going to hamper a lot of clubs who rely heavily on Gate receipts and and money from season tickets because they're going to have to they're have to refund that money, aren't they? Yeah, and I think there'll be quite a lot of clubs who previously might have been thinking, "Oh, we've got this asset who we could sell for a hundred million or whatever." May now be looking at that player and thinking, "God, we, we need to get this player off the wage bill," and you know, then they'll be sort of forced into into accepting a, a smaller a smaller bid than they previously would. Probably it will be a buyer's market, and it may well suit a team like Manchester United who are sort of cash rich, or Maybe if, uh, if a team like Newcastle have a, a new Saudi Arabian owners, it might be a good time for them to to, to buy a lot of top quality players at a cut down price. The other thing, it might it may well suit the likes of say Borussia Dortmund, who are obviously a very good team anyway, but they they have have a history of picking players up young, developing them for two three years, and then selling them on for a a huge price. Whereas like you say, if you're not going to get that huge price, Borussia Dortmund, who have this wealth of talent that are relatively young, if they keep that group of players together, it could you could see... I mean, this is purely... I've only just thought of this now, but you could see big changes in terms of which teams dominate 
in leagues going forward because of because of feeder and developing clubs suddenly don't become selling clubs and they start keeping the talent because it's it makes more financial sense to do that. I don't yeah. know. If Dortmund don't sell Sancho this season and they get into the Champions League next season and go quite far into that and then all of a sudden they're developing, they've got players, I think, is it Claudio Reyna's son that they've got playing? I think he's only 17, who's supposed to be one of the next big things as well. So they've already got, I mean, Haaland's there, I think he's only just 20, Claudio Reyna's 17. So they've already got a wealth of, of, of players coming forward. In 9, 12, 18 month time, the three of them could be the the three of the top 10 players in the world. So you'd think if they kept them, they, they, if they don't win the Bundesliga, then they could get quite far in the Champions League. So like you said, it, it could be a it could, it could be a time to keep all of some players and, and see where it can get you. Incidentally, yeah. on, the, uh, on, the tra- on the bottom of the BBC Sport article about uh, Odi Nigalo, it says that United have um, uh, Hearts, Burton and Bolton had Joel Pereira, Kieran O'Hara and Ethan Hamilton, Hamilton on low, young United players on hold on lo- loan from United and United just could waive the any future fee that was owed to them just to help help those teams out. It's a good thing. I assume Liverpool is going to furlough all their loan players. <laughs> <laughs> no? No reply, Jenna? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. The only, the only thing that's gone on <laughs> today is the, uh, the replay in the, the Istanbul Champions League final. <laughs> We're reminiscing today. Well, we're going to reminisce in the next section, aren't we? When we look back at some great goals. We are, we are indeed. Uh, we will. Uh, we'll come you, back after this. Go on. Have you two been practicing this week? All these <laughs> blinks. It's not normally this smooth. It's, 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 it's episode nine. We're in the groove now. Yeah. <laughs> weeks. Um, yeah, so as, so as Simon said, we've got uh, our first round of our World Cup of Goals and we will, uh, we will discuss that after this. Welcome back to the final part of the podcast this week. We're going to discuss our first four matchups uh, in our World Cup of Premier League Goals. Um, so we'll, I'll quickly run down, um, should we quickly run down the four matches that we've got? So we have... Um, Sheffield United against Derby um, we have uh, the North London Derby Arsenal against Spurs we have Liverpool against West Ham and we have uh, Newcastle against Chelsea so what we have done is we've worth, com- worth saying we put all these matches up uh, all these goals up as, uh, as like a Twitter poll didn't we we did and you you were going to go with the results of the Twitter poll weren't you but I'm <laughs> well me I'm Ross strongly the, it's not a democracy you know, start <laughs> if you want to have an opinion, start your own podcast. Uh, I mean, if we if we ran it as a democracy, then Ready Salty Walkers might have won the battle. <laughs> <laughs> well, your mad Pringles lad, Bauer, he'd still be a forgotten man, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he would, yeah, you're absolutely right. I wouldn't have known I mean, so much as I know about Pringles. I mean, can we just clarify how... So, obviously, you've picked... One goal for each team have been picked. How were the goals chosen? Well, so the goals are all Premier League goals. Because one of the things that I had I had recently um, was trying to think about was there's a lot of goals that were scored in the FA Cup, which have been amazing goals. So it's like right, it's only Premier League goals, and it's only you can only, only one team can have one goal. So you can't have two goals. For, you can't have two goals from United. You can't have two goals from Liverpool. Two goals from Arsenal. Only one goal in the Premier League era from each club. Now. The other thing we had to work out was in a round of 16, there's 20 teams in the Premier League. So unfortunately, the current bottom four didn't get a vote uh, <laughs> or didn't, didn't get a goal. They were automatically cut. Uh, I don't know, best part of 45 minutes to watching all types of um, Premier League goals um, and then just picked the best um, 16 goals that, that I thought of. I was originally going to go not just the type of goal, but how important it was and what it meant. Um, and then I realised that by the time I'd explained all that, you two would probably end up being asleep and it'd be, uh, we'd have a two-hour podcast. So I've picked some of the relative goals to the teams that you should know about. I mean, I was going to let you, I was going to let you two pick the United goal, but I thought, oh no, I'm picking, I'll pick, I'll pick it. Why didn't you let us pick the Liverpool goal then? 
Um, because I'd already picked that by then. And uh, for some strange reason, the United goal was one of the last goals that I decided to pick, even though it was every time I, if somebody asked me about which United goal I liked the most, it's the one that I've picked. One matters at Anfield. No. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I forgot what I forgot one matter is the place United. Diego Forlan. Oh, John no. O'Shea's last minute last minute winner in front of the cop. Where did I what was that? I was looking at something I was looking at something the other day, I can't remember what it was. And it ended up ended up got it might have even been that it might have even been that game there was a Liverpool game and I thought I'd seen that United had won two one at Anfield as per usual in the in 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 the, in the early two thousands, and then it was that it was that game where Fallen had scored um, Fallen had scored twice in two minutes. Um, I can't yeah, remember, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> horrible, horrible day. I remember it. Um, right. Where did he come from, Cheezer? Okay, from Uruguay. Oh, what, did, what did he do, Simon? <laughs> he made the Scousers cry. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, it's a shame we never never had such a good chance for Quinton. <laughs> oh. I'm, sure, I'm sure by episode and the boss will have a chance for Quinton. <laughs> Uh, right, we'll start with match number one. I mean, I mean, we're going to start with match number one, and this is two goals that are probably the two least uh, well-known goals in the entire thing that we're going to do. But anyway, we these are the two that took me two of the longest to find. Sheffield United's goal is Keith Gillespie's goal, and off the top of my, off the top of my head now, I can't, remember, I can't remember who it was against. It was uh, against Charlton Athletic. Against Charlton Athletic, I think actually from two thousand and six, I think it was. Um, and then the best Burnley goal that I could find uh, was Jeff Hendricks' half volley um, against Bournemouth. I can remember that one. Uh, I mean, if, I mean, if you've not if you've not seen the goals, get onto the Atman Three uh, Twitter handle. Find 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 round one, uh, and then the YouTube clips are on there. They'll send you uh, across, and you can you can have a look at the goals. What did, what did you two think? Yes, well, to to describe them, the, the Keith Gillespie goal. It's sort of a throw-in into the area. The ball sort of breaks out to the outside and then he just drills it in, doesn't he? I mean, it's a good goal, yeah. but it's not a great goal. I mean, what I would say is when you, know, um, when you first announced this and you said you were going to send the goals through and you, were, you first sent Keith Gillespie and Jeff Hendrick, I mean, I wasn't holding <laughs> up much out for the, rest of the, for the rest of the competition, to be honest. I thought, this is the best we can do. But and then again, I'm struggling to think of any, like, I mean, I'm not a massive Sheffield United fan anyway, but any great Sheffield United goals or any great Burnley goals, you don't really... They're not, they're not two, two teams that are synonymous with great goals, are they, really? Well, well, what I tried not to do was watch every game that United played against that team because when it got to the Burnley goal, Stephen DeForce got an absolute worldie of a free kick at Old Trafford. I was like, oh, I could pick this one. Or I think I think Jay Rodriguez scored the, the, a worldie of a goal as well this year. I was, I was tempted to pick that, but I thought, no. I won't, I won't necessarily pick games just against United. I mean, what I would say, well, that's Keith got Jeff Hendricks got, it's kind of a, it's kind of a running forward, he chests it, bounces on the half hole, he smashes it and he beats the keeper at the near post. I mean, it's, a, I mean, you're pleased at the time when you, when you, when your team scores it, but I, I mean, they're not too long live in the memory, are they? I would say. I'm not sure either would have won gold a month that month. No, what I would say, I think Keith Gillespie is, is the better goal. Do you? Purely, yeah. Purely because of the height that the ball comes down from, into and when he hits it. Yeah, I'd say technique. Even I'd agree. Technique, technique wise, I'd say Gillespie's was a better goal than Hendricks. Oh right, well I've been, I've been out because the Hendricks ones at a really bad angle. You know, he's way off to the right hand side. Still manages but, to. I, I think from Hendricks' position, you think he's not going to score from there, and then he does. Yeah, but, but you know, I'm, hap- I'm happy to be outvoted. I mean, I can't I th- see either, either of these goals making a big run in the in the. You'd be, <laughs> you'd be glad to draw this in the next round, I think. I'm not. I I think Hendricks is more down to bad keeping. I, like the fact that you're not expecting, but you're not expecting it to go in, not because of where he is, but you, even when he hits it, you still don't think, well, he's hit that well, and that's going in. It's not one of them that you think, oh, like that, that you, unbelievable hit from there to make it go in. I just uh, think, fair enough, yeah. I'll, uh, I, I just think, I'll plus, save my battles for another day. Yeah. Keith Gillespie. Keith what, Gillespie. Won the, what won the... Um, 
how did that what was the vote Twitter vote on that oh it was I think it was 100% this goal I think it was I think we had I think it was six votes I think it was and they all went to Keith Gillespie oh well there you go I've not got the amount I've got I've got who's won on Twitter I just haven't got the amount of what they won by Let's see if I can find it oh no unless Simon's just voted no, no. 80% to Keith Gillespie, 20% to Jeff, Jeff Hendrick. I mean, what the other thing what you'll find on Twitter is, because I sent these first two tweets out, I had no idea how he spelled Jeff, so I spelled it every way you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Congratulations, Keith. Yeah, well done. He'll be pleased with that. Yeah, United legend. Yeah. Um, right, OK, so move on to... Uh, Matchup number two, which is the North London derby. So we have um, Dennis Bergkamp's goal against Leicester. Um, I can't remember from which season it was. And uh, we have Hyung Min Son's goal for Spurs against Burnley, which was this season, I believe. Yeah, just a few months ago. Real step up in quality for this matchup, isn't there? And I would say the quality of these two goals is shown on the Twitter vote because it's 50 50. So, our, 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 our takes on these are very important. Then, well, I'm conflicted. Two very good goals. What I would say about the Burkamp goal, which basically a ball over the top, he sort of takes it down and past the defender, buries it. I don't think that's the best Burkamp goal. I think the Newcastle one's better when the ball comes in, he flicks it past the defender. Against Dabby's ass. Like, yeah. wasn't that, was that in the FA Cup, though? Oh, that's, was that's, it? Why, that's why it's not in there, yeah. Uh, well, no, notwithstanding, I, I prefer the, uh, the Sun goal. Because he basically runs... I just love it. He just runs the length of the pitch, goes past loads of people. Brilliant goal. Just r- simple. More players should try that, just running at defenders. Defenders hate it, <laughs> you run at them. I mean, I, I like... I, I'm gonna to have to go Arsenal and Dennis Burkamp because I think I think with the Sun Young Min one, although yeah, it's great, I think the fact he's playing Burnley, I don't think Burnley are known for pace, to be honest. So I think you'll find Sun Young Min just kicks it and runs a lot, which I'm uh, <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. But you got me, although, yeah, that's what although I, like. I Although I don't like just pace, I think Sun Young Min's better than just a pace man. <laughs> But it is just about how quick Sung Yul Min is, as opposed to, I think, Burkamp's The ball over the top, perfectly weighted. The, he takes two touches, first on his right, then on his left to take it around the defender, sorts his feet out, opens his body up and then tucks it in. I think there's a lot more that can go wrong in Dennis Burkamp's, and it's a technically more difficult goal than, than Sung Yul Min's. Well, Burkham only had one guy to get past them. Some young men had to get past the entire Burnley defence. So loads of things could have gone wrong. There's utter chaos going on. But the, so the Twitter vote isn't is split. Me and you are split. It comes down to you, cheesy. Oh. Um, it's. I mean, I would probably say that that isn't even my second best Dennis Burkham goal. The second best Dennis. Burkamp goal was the one from the World Cup when he scored from yeah. Holland against Argentina. That, that was a brilliant goal. That was a better takedown. That's 98. Yeah, that was a better takedown goal than that one. Um, and now I'm I'm quite conflicted myself because I don't think there's I don't think there's too many players that could have scored the Burkamp goal. There's probably more players that could have scored the Son goal, but I think the Son goal was more impressive. And I think a couple of seasons ago Hazard went jinx through the entire Arsenal defense against Chelsea. And he picked the ball up, I think, in the like halfway in, in his own half. Son was practically on his it was in his own penalty area. The, he had pretty much, I'd say, 70% of the Burnley team to get past. But uh, what I'm, I'm just watching it now. It's only really took two players on. And I mean, what you could say is they've dived in. He's not done any. He's not done any great skill. He's right, straight line, straight line, straight line, straight line. Pass one. Oh, he's overhit it. Then he's got there first, overhit it, and now his pace lets him catch up. It's just two two heavy touches that he's managed to have the pace to get back onto. Yeah, but he's oh. saying seventy percent of Burnley's seventy percent of Ben Me is a lot of Ben Me. Big lad. 
Yeah, but one but once Ben Mee plants his feet, it's easy to knock it past, isn't it? He didn't even take it past Ben Mee, actually. <laughs> no. I don't know. Like, obviously, whatever you want to decide, you decide. But <laughs> I mean, it's very difficult as the nation um, wants to split. The the podcast is split, and obviously, all this. I mean, all of a sudden... what I would say before you make your decision is, if you choose wrong, cheesy, then I'm going to turn the phone off. <laughs> that'll be, a real, I mean, that'll be I, a, a real improvement for the rest of the month. <laughs> I mean, I've had nine weeks. I've had nine weeks off. I don't know what pressure is. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in a situation for so long. I don't know what to do. Um, but no, I think. I think in. I think in my head, as much as I love Bergkamp, as I love that goal, I have to pick Young Song. Yeah, I agree. That's that locked him. That is a disaster. I don't keep watching it. Straight in a straight line. <laughs> I just know. I I know in ten hey, years well, time, well, it's, it's over. <laughs> ten years, ten years. I mean, how old's the Burkham goal? They're still showing it now. In ten years time, I don't think we're seeing that Sun Young goal again. I think that that Burkham goal was what was it from? It was from ninety six. I think ninety six, ninety seven. I mean, the Hazard goal you said against Arsenal was better because someone he gives someone a piggyback for after length he was running. No one touched Sun Young. Well, uh, come on, let's move on. <laughs> well, there's what 50 50 game. We've got another one now. Um, I mean, uh, so match three sees uh, Liverpool against West Ham. Now, I'm very torn about this. Um, so, the Liverpool goal that I did pick again, I was tempted to pick the Gerard goal against United, but I didn't. Uh, so, the Luis Suarez goal against Newcastle, where I think Jose Enrique kicks it for 60 yards. Uh, Suarez manages to control it on his shoulder, manages to bring it down and then almost turn past um, the Newcastle goalkeeper and put it into the net. I think that was to make it one all. And then the, the West Ham goal, which was by far the best West Ham goal that, had, that is in the Premier League, um, was a ball, I think, by Travis Sinclair the, the, from the right, crosses it into the left-hand side of the box, and Di Canio is there, just jumps into the air, scissor kicks this ball in with, a, with probably the wrong foot uh, into, the, into, the, into the corner of the net. And again, the public couldn't decide 50-50. So what, how, what are you two thinking? I'm astonished. That, is that the best Liverpool goal? I, I don't, you, know, you put a lot of time into this. I don't want to criticise. I, I think you've really let Liverpool down there, Cheesy. <laughs> you you know what? You know what I'm finding? I'm remembering why I used to remember when you played football, Simon. The only thing I remembered about you is that you'd always have a tissue in your pocket. Yeah, so how, how you're not grasping the brilliance of some of these goals? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm, I don't want to overstate it, Cheesy, but I think you've not just let Liverpool football down, but I think you've let the great city of Liverpool down. Well, no, I don't think so. In, and in fact, I think you've, Suarez must have scored better goals. I think you've let the entire nation of Uruguay down. I don't think Suarez scored too many more decent goals than that. But I think that Di Canio goal is... I could watch that Di Canio goal all day long. The scissor kick, he just nails it. Nestled in the bottom corner, nothing the keeper could do. A brilliant goal, one of my favourite goals. He's easy Di Canio win for me. I, th- I think this, this, quite, this could have quite easily been the final, the quality of these two goals. I think it's a very, very tough first round. I mean, what I would say, like, the Di Canio one, it is, like, how he thought of jumping two yards into the air to score a bicycle kick with his right foot as opposed to letting it come across his body and hit it with his left foot, I would say is, like, I think that's what makes it unique, the fact that I don't think you've seen anyone else try it since. And he looked like when he was jumping up, he looked like he had a little trampette under him, how high he got as well. Um, but, I mean, the Suarez one... The ball's come such a long way. He's got a centre-half on his shoulder, hurrying him and hassling him. He's let it come over his shoulder. He's controlled it on his shoulder, taking it down with, with about three yards between where he's actually first chested it and where the keeper is. Rounded the keeper and then took it in. As a, as a piece of technique and having the speed of thought, to do all of that, because you don't have long. I, I think that's it's an unbelievable goal. Again, you don't you don't see. Yeah, you see players chest things down and take a keeper on and stick it in, but 
you don't see it done as quickly and in such a short amount of time. Like, there was literally if if he has a bad first touch off his shoulder, that he, he doesn't score that goal. If he has a bad second touch when he's trying to round the keeper, he doesn't score that goal. I, I think it's I think it's brilliant. It's, it's, well, I'm, I'm voting Di Canio. I mean, I, but what I would say is, as an iconic goal, I would go to Canio. I just thought I had to big up the Suarez goal just because it was it was brilliant. I, I but think... I do think I do think the Di Canio one is. I, I will remember that one in. If I'm going off my remembering one, I'll remember it in a while. As opposed to the Suarez one, you have to. I think you have to be reminded about the Suarez one. The the only other goal that Suarez scored that I could that you could probably say you could put in there was the one that he scored from half the halfway line in. I think it was away at Norwich, but then Alonso scored a goal from halfway. Rooney scored a goal from from halfway. There's not many players that have. I don't think there's many players that have taken a ball down from 60 yards on the shoulder, somehow managed it to get. It's then it's then been able to run down their body almost, and the next touch goes around the goalkeeper, and then they're almost practically in the net when they when they tap it in. I mean, no, I, 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 I mean, I'm, I've got to. I've got. I mean, it, it's, it's a, it doesn't really matter now anyway. But I, I would have voted Suarez. No, I, I, I agree with how difficult it is to do, but I think since Di Canio scored that goal, I've not seen anyone in the Premier League even attempt to score a goal like it. No, yeah. I, I think I like Whereas said, I think, the wrong I think with the Suarez one, people could attempt to, like people could do that. It is still brilliant, but I think people could attempt to do it. Whereas the, the Di Canio one, I've not seen anyone try that. I think, and then I th- I th- there was, I'm sure there was a poll, and, I, and this might have been after 20 years of the Premier League. So I think the, the Suarez goal was after that. I think, sure, the, the best goal voted in the Premier League was the, was the Gerard goal against United Old Trafford. But I think that was before the Suarez goal. So I'd have to say that I'd have to keep the Suarez goal. But anyway, it doesn't matter. De Canio is through. We move on. Okay, good to get Liverpool out early, Simon. Yeah, to- yeah, that's good, man. <laughs> We move on to we move on to number four, uh, and again, I mean, we t- talk about goals. I mean, Simon's probably Simon's probably going to say this isn't the best Chelsea goal. Um, Michael Essien, um scores a goal against Arsenal. I think it is to make it two one, uh, an absolute thunderbolt um, with his right foot against Newcastle, um, and the legendary Alan Shearer that scores um, a goal on the volley um, against Everton. Now I would. Oh, go on. No, no, you go. I would say that with the Michael Essien one, I actually re- I remember where I like I remember watching that in my mum and dad's living room, and that was to win the game against Arsenal, wasn't it? I think it was one all. And if they would have lost that game or drew that game, that it would have been a massive boost in terms of Chelsea not winning the title. And it was getting to desperation stakes. And then I remember it coming to SCN, I remember emitting it and it going in and being absolutely devastated. But then I also remember the camera angle of when it, because it always shows the camera angle behind him and the, the per- perfect arc that he gets on it, that he curls outside of the post and curls back in and then scrapes the inside net, the side net in. I do, I, I do have a, like I hated it at the time, but I do think it is a brilliant goal. I mean, they're both sort of Yeboah-esque thunderbolts, aren't they? I, I love both goals. The SEM one is brilliant. Br- like, just smashes it, doesn't he? But for me, I think the thing is, I think there's a slight element of luck to the SEM one. I think he really has just ran up and hit it as hard as he can. And, you know, it's gone... Per- and, you know, it's been the perfect moment. But it is a bit of luck. Whereas I think executing the volley that Alan Shearer does, I think is harder... And involves a little bit more skill. So I, I'm going to come down on the side of Alan Shearer. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would have, yeah, I, I would agree. I think the, I think Essien has it, like I say, because it was so late in the game and it was so towards the end. It is desperation stakes that Essien has just. Well, we tried everything else today that hasn't worked, so I might as well just hit it as hard as I can, and he has hit it as hard as he can. But the Shearer one, like you said, anything anything that drops down and a player's managed to catch it perfectly, you get that. I mean, it's not, he's not, he's not sliced it in any way. He's caught it perfectly and he's dipped over the keeper and gone in. I, yeah, 
And I mean, and Shearer is Shearer, and you have to give a bit of love for just the goal machine that was Alan Shearer. So, well, I think he got. I think it was. I think Shearer's goal got a hundred percent of the vote. I think on on Twitter, it got a it got a big it got a big. Yeah, it did hundred percent. Yeah. So the people have spoken. The podcast has spoken. So we have our, we have our first four winners. I mean, there we go. So who the first four? I mean, three, three of the big boys are out. Arsenal are out. Liverpool are out. Chelsea are out. Yeah, but in this game, it's not about winning leagues, is it? It's about individual two-second moments <laughs> and any <laughs> Premier League team can pull out a two-second moment. So we will uh, we will pick up the we'll pick up the next four games next week. Wowie! So who's who's just so have we not have we put the goals out there for next week already? Yeah, we've done we've done all the poll, I've done we've done all the polls already. All oh, right. So what is coming up next week then? Um, so we've got um, Leicester against Southampton. So we've got Vardy's goal against Liverpool against Letitia's for Newcastle against Newcastle. Uh, we've got Wolves against uh, Crystal Palace. Um, so it was Ruben Neves' goal on the uh, Wolves' return uh, to the Premier League against Andros Townsend's goal against Manchester City. Uh, I mean, I would say you've got you, on the on the Twitter one you put out. It's got Neves versus Everton. Yeah, yeah. Is that, that what I said? No, you said Neves versus Crystal Palace. Oh no, yeah, no. I, I meant uh, Wolves against Palace. It is oh right the okay. game. Um, and then City against Brighton um, so Vincent Company's goal against Leicester last year which I was toying with whether it was the Aguero goal or not uh, against Brighton's which was again I couldn't find a good Brighton goal so I had to pick uh, your hand your hand back <laughs> overhead kick earlier on this year uh, and then the last game was uh, two United legends going up against one another was um, Paul Scholes against um, Bradford and then Wayne Rooney's goal for Everton against Arsenal there we go. That's exciting to look forward to next week, isn't it? So we, we should be back with those four games next week. Look forward to it. Always a pleasure. Enjoy your weeks. Yeah, I hope everyone stays safe. Thanks for listening to the Three Thirds Mank, One Third Scouse podcast. Give it a like, give it a share, and let us know what you think on Twitter at Mank3. That's at M-A-N-C-T-H-R-E-E. And keep listening for more new podcasts every week.